This is the Yoakum Strength Podcast, Episode 3, with Austin Yoakum and Greg Ebosher. We're in hell right now, gentlemen. Believe me. And we could stay here, get the shit kicked out of us, or we could fight our way back into the light. We can climb out of hell one inch at a time. Now I can't do it for you. I'm too old. I look around, I see these young faces, and I think, I made every wrong choice a middle-aged man can make. I pissed away all my money, I chased off anyone who ever's loved me, and lately, I can't even stand the face I see in the mirror. And that's a quote from the movie Any Given Sunday. Um, if you're a football fan, there's a good chance you've seen this movie or you've seen this video. Um, Al Pacino is the football coach, and his, his, his team is down at halftime, and he gives him this speech, riles him up. They go out and absolutely dominate and win the, win the game. Um, now, this quote really leads into who our guest is today quite nicely. Um, our guest today is a, is a man who is near and dear to Austin and Ice Hearts. He is a large part of the reason we are who we are today. He was a huge influence in our first two years of school at St. Thomas. Um, he's our strength coach. He's a graduate of Wyzetta High School. He's a graduate of the University of St. Thomas. I believe he was a football, the University of St. Thomas football team, special teams, defensive, and team MVP. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Um, All-American, two-time All-American, um, and had tryouts in, to play in the NFL, blew out his knee. We'll get into all that. Um, but, I mean, all that stuff really doesn't matter at all because, and he'll be the first one to tell you about that, <clears throat> because... He just wants you to treat him as he is as a person, and that's all he's going to look for you is the best, and that's all, he, all he's going to ask for you is to give your best. And so in the studio with us today is Tommy Becker. Um, Tommy, how you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. You guys know how to give like a hype? You know, yeah, a hype speech. You know, I feel yeah. like I'm well, walking into the Hall of Fame. Or... <laughs> you gave us a lot of accolades. Go <laughs> yeah, you did. So... Um, for the people that didn't have you as strength coach, do you just want to give them a little bit about your background, where you're from, why you got into coaching? Uh, yeah. But you're... And just take us take us through Wyzetta. you state champion, right, baby? State champs, that's mm, right. Right, right. First in school history. Mm, 2005. Yeah. yeah um, so, yeah, born and raised in Plymouth um, my whole life. Went to Wyzetta schools. Um, graduated from Wyzetta in 2006, state champions in 05, lost it in 04 to Minnetonka, so lost it as a junior, won it as my senior. And who is the, I know, for any football buffs out there who are listening, who is the other linebacker? Uh, James Laurinaitis. Yes. Yeah. That's a team. I got a a great James story for, uh, so, and one of the reasons I got into coaching, you know, I'll get into that later, but uh, one of my coaches and my defensive coordinator in high school is Coach Lombardi. Matt Lombardi, wow. and he, uh, he uh, me and James were both playing linebacker, and so the head coach, Brad, was like, you can't have both James and Tommy at linebacker. It's you know, like, we need one of them for tight end. He's like, he's like, you got to choose one. Well, and James's dad was the animal for WWE, if you remember. <laughs> and so, and so, real snide, and this, this is my coach, this is Coach Lombo to the T. He goes, All right, I'll take Becker. You call the animal and tell him James is playing tight end. <laughs> and one walks out of the office. And, you know, the history, you know, yeah. sets itself. So, yeah. me and James played linebacker together. Absolutely. So, that was, that was pretty stellar. Yeah. That. It's a freaking dominant force yeah. right there. Yeah, I, I wouldn't want to be a running back. So, uh, 
And then I had, you know, multiple opportunities to go play D1 at, you know, right. Kansas, anywhere in the Big 12. And, right. you know, so, but I chose Minnesota. I chose to stay home. It just felt right. Um, and then, you know, as I was going through, you know, a coaching change at Minnesota from Glenn Mason to Tim Brewster, a lot of things were changing. You know, the culture was changing. My parents were going through a divorce. And that led to, you know, kind of a change in, Jeez. you know, who I was as a man. Yeah. And that, a, uh, Affected me, and so then I got a letter from St. Thomas, went and checked it out, and while that was happening, I didn't know who was going to be the coach. So I thought it was, I thought the coach was actually going to be Gordy Shaw, who was the offensive line coach for Minnesota. Oh, was, so Caruso didn't recruit you? Nope. It was between, it was between Gordy Shaw and Coach Caruso, and when I signed on through Blaine Tatrell, because he was the only coach that stayed on, like I thought I was going to be Gordy, so I thought I was going to come there and be the man through Gordy. Mm -hmm. And then it ended up being Coach Caruso. So then after Coach Caruso got hired, I called him and I was like, yo, I want to play linebacker. He's like, Tommy, you can play linbacker. And, you know, <laughs> the rest is history after that. Yeah. And, you know, went through St. Thomas. Um, the year I graduated, it was the year of the NFL lockout. So like all those opportunities for many camps right. and free agencies were lost, like a thousand plus jobs for okay. guys like myself. So that was, you know, that was a missed opportunity. But I went to play arena ball down for you know, in the indoor football league for the Wichita Wild in Kansas. So I was living in Wichita and I think it was eight games in, coming back off an ankle injury. Um, I was playing down in Dallas against the Wranglers mm -hmm. and T.O. And they, uh, I blew my knee out, dislocated my knee, tore everything, and football was over. And this was 2015, 2014? 20, May 2006, 2012. 2012. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because then you came to St. Thomas in 2014, 15. Yeah. Okay. Oh my. And then, so then. And then I was, you know, spent a year or two <clears throat> rehabbing on my knee through ETS and Loris. And then I went up to, and then my defense school owner, Matt Lombardi, got the head coaching job at Maple Grove. And then I went up there. I was like, hey, if you need anything, what do you, you know, whatever. So I ended up coaching defense for the sophomores. Or linebackers, and I was a defensive coordinator for sophomores, and I was varsity defensive coordinator, and then I went, and then I came to St. Thomas for two years. Okay. And then took a year off of coaching, went back to Maple Grove, coached a year. Okay. I think took another year off, and now I'm then I coached defense at Cooper High School last year. At Cooper High School. Yeah. Where is it? Robinsville. Okay, got it. And so now. So we tried off for the NFL, that didn't work. Where does now something that all the guys who played under you know you're huge into yoga? How did that come into the equation? I mean, obviously strength training comes hand in hand with football and and um, um, speed training, diet, all that. But how did you? Yoga is just something. It's very peaceful. It's very relaxing. It's very not football. How did how did yoga come in? How did yoga come into the equation, and when? My first couple of experiences of yoga was my girlfriend dragging me to class in college <laughs> when I was at St. Thomas, so I just like went with my girlfriend. Okay. And I had an aha moment, like I had a quad like kind of contusion or like, you know, it was just kind of tight. Mm -hmm. And I was in like camel or like I was pressing my, you know, hips forward and my like quads were lengthening and it like popped and it felt amazing. And it was like this aha moment where I was like, 
yoga fixed this. Like, and I always like gave yoga so much credit, but I never went back and did the work. Yeah. And then when I blew my knee out, like I was all about like lifting and getting stronger and faster for football. So like, then when I finally fixed my knee, rehab was done and I was like cleared to like go back and play football if I wanted to. I was like, every time I went to the gym, I was like depressed and sad and like it didn't have purpose because I was like mentally, I was done with football. Mm -hmm. I was not going to, you know, do that anymore. Right. Um, and that was sad, you know, because right. that gets taken away. Right. And then yoga became like a refuge. It was like a different way to move, a safer, non-impact, like, and it was the first time I felt that, like, like, competitiveness, that, like, football zone, that, like, burning desire, that, like, this is fucking tough, but I'm not going to quit. Like, I can do this, like, type attitude. And it was, like, it was just there for me. Yeah, it was freaking awesome. I, I remember you bringing that to the team for the first time oh, right. and you brought all these big football guys that thought they were the dudes, like thought that they, when they played football, they can do yoga. Oh, and true. you let us, you let us through that first yoga session and everybody's like, Oh, oh my God, oh, what just happened to us? And then warrior and my quads, we were probably in warrior for like four minutes and my quads were just, I couldn't move. And like, the mental, the mental, toughness that that brought to us and then one of the biggest things you did with us too is as soon as the yoga session was done and these these yoga sessions like people that go to classes like i've been to a bunch of classes you haven't been to a coach backer class yeah. like yeah. the the sessions you led us through were so intense and just like i like you get a little dose of it when you go to these classes everything i've been to after but i have never had anything where when we're done, he lays us down, we all take up space and he just talks to us and he brings us through some meditation, some visualization, and we're all just spent. And like our only, the only thing that can move basically is our mind. Mm -hmm. Like, and all we can think about is what he has us focus on, focus on our breath, focus on the moment. And I, I've never had that experience with any other class, any other session mm -hmm. than with you. And I thought like that totally just changed because when, when you hopped on our, uh, the USD program and you came and coached, we were going from basically not making the playoffs to going for a national championship run. Right. We went from everybody being hurt to a healthy team and like a team that was bought in and the culture. And I, I thought you were a really big part of that. And I thought one of the biggest parts of that was the yoga. And just like one of the other things you talked about is how the game was taken away from you. And like you told us that so many times because there's guys in there that they would complain, they would walk in and they'd be like, I don't really want to be here. And you're like, you guys don't understand. This can be taken away from you at any moment. And you told us that so many times and just the mental thought process that that put in and like what that changed from dudes that hated to lift basically and hated to do the sport. Um, and they just like playing on Sundays, that type of thing. You told them like basic or Saturdays, you told them basically like this can be taken away from you at any second and you would die to be basically be where you are right now. I thought, that mindset you instilled in the team was so powerful. Oh man, I remember like you would have us in there after, during before a workout, and the look on your eyes when you looked around at us, as that intensity has been lacking since you left, and I think we're, well, we haven't we weren't as good off for it. I mean, I would say I would. I mean, you said he's one of the biggest. I'd probably say you're the biggest reason why we were able to have such a great 2015 season. Why yeah, we made that jump. Well, one of the biggest reasons we made that jump, and one of the biggest reasons, like 
Those I really looked at myself and yeah. like I wanted to go into like strength conditioning because like I saw the difference you were able to make in the team mm-hmm. and I'm like there's coaches that know like their stuff they know how to put a strength conditioning program but a lot of people don't know how to build the culture that you brought um mm-hmm. and like I don't want to mention names but like we talked about before of how there's dudes in there that had never lifted before in their life they never lifted after you but when you were there in that time they lifted and they got after it because you put that culture in right. and that was when I like realized I'm like this is doable. Like it, it was, I had it with coach Herm who we talked with last week in high school where we had that culture where like you work when you're there. Um, but when we got to St. Thomas for the first year, I was like, well, this is weird. Like that culture's not there. So it was a little goofy to me. And then you brought it back and wow. I was like, wow, this, this is doable. This is what I want to bring to teams. This is what I want to bring to my athletes that I work with. So I, I really appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I just, love you guys so that was like you know when we were in there it's like because mm-hmm. where we went and where we were gonna go like to multiple national championships that was like never a doubt in my mind and like when I teach yoga when I talk to you guys like I'm it's about like staying in the moment and trying to breathe but also like visualizing what you see and what you want like the, the more detailed we can get about like our goals or our, our wants and the more we can stay in the moment rather than like in the future, in the past, like the more likely we are to attain those things. Right. So like, like when we were in there, I was like, all right, well, it's go time, you know? And at the time I was trying to learn your guys' names and build individual relationships with yeah. you. So I could like not only report back to coach, but like give my own two cents. Like mm-hmm. this dude should be playing here and not here. Like, mm-hmm. You know, like multiple times a day, and I'm sure you have those yep. types of conversations, like, and you need to, to because, like, you know, my whole life, I grew up with a lot of brothers. I grew up with two brothers and three sisters. So, like, in my house, when you spoke up, it was like, shut up, you're wrong. Like, no, <laughs> like, because there's always someone above you that was like smarter. Mm-hmm. So, like, my my whole life, I was like, all right, well, don't speak because I'm wrong. You know, like, and so I finally learned to like speak up and I was like, well, I have valuable things to say, you know, like, but it was always easy in a team setting because I was like, good, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like, and I cared and I wanted to win. So it was like, well, I didn't see any other option, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. you know, right. No, I like, like you said, like, that's one of the biggest things like I focus on with a lot of my athletes is like, and what you did a phenomenal job of was like growing that individual like relationship with the athlete. I think that's so powerful. Just being able to, one, yeah. like the physical part of it and watching a move and that type of thing, you get to see what type of athlete they are. But then you need also, if you talk to them and you just see who they are as a person, you can see what motivates them. Right. Like, I mean, some kids, and just this is one of the biggest growths in my own coaching career from the past years. Like, I would say, like, I've always been high intensity. I've always been a person that's reacted well when somebody's also high intensity and yelling at them and, like, getting ready to go. But there's some kids that, like, if you yell at them, they go into a shell. And like, yeah. you have to learn how to communicate with these athletes and get them out of that shell. And like, there's some kids where you have to talk to and communicate why we're doing this. And then there's some kids that do need to be yelled at. They need that energy to get them going. But like you said, you build that personal relationship with each one of us and you tried to figure out what motivates us and then what gets us to go. And that's why like, that's why the buy-in was so high is because each athlete had their own motivational strategy. And I mean, it's hard with a huge team, but when you focus like mm-hmm. one athlete at a time, like it... I don't know, it brought the team so much better together. Well, when you, yeah, and when you know that, like, you know you know what I would have said to that one particular individual who didn't lift anymore? Yeah. If I were there, I would have been like, I would have went up to him quietly and I would have said, do you know what you're fucking doing to us? Like, 
you could be so much better, but you're sitting over here doing fucking nothing when everyone's looking up to you. Mm-hmm. Get your fucking ass in gear and let's win this national championship, you yep. fuckhead. Yep. And then I'd walk away and let him think about it. Yeah. And that's 100% what's <laughs> been... It's just... And that's the culture. That's, that's, that's the, the culture. That's the culture from going from a non-playoff team yeah. to a national championship team. Is because, just, like you said, just the one person that's sitting there, like that one person, even if he's not super important, which a lot of them they are, they're super important, but they have 10 people. They have 10 people watching them. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. even if those 10 people are super motivated, if they see that one person, then their buy-in is taken out. Right. I think that's one of the biggest things is like, you got to focus. What like, if those 10 people are busting their ass and they're never, ever going to come close to what this guy can be and yeah. he's still sitting on his ass? And he's like, still, yeah. Right. That's what, what and like, the, the buy-in from them then is... It, it's, it's diminished. Yeah. Even, even if it's all in, it's not as high as it could be. The threshold exactly. is set lower. Right? Exactly. It's, and just, that's where you got to like, uh, one of the biggest things, like I really love the quote, is like when you realize how big, when you realize how big of an impact small things have on your life. Basically, like you realize there are no small things. Mm-hmm. Like you realize that guy just sitting there. Like some coach may think that's a small thing. Like it's just one guy. Everybody else is working. But like when you realize the big impact these small things have and how much it adds up and just over time, every single day, mm-hmm. like you start to realize. None of that, none of that shit is small. Like it's all big and it, all it does is just snowball, snowball, snowball. Either it's taking you towards your goal or it's taking you away from your goal. There's no staying in the same spot. Mm-hmm. I think on top of what you said, building individual relationships with players, the relationship you built with me was, because I, your first year, I had to sit out the whole year because I had surgery on my hip and I, like, it was a really awful year. I had a really good freshman year. I the coaches had told me I was in a really good spot and I was feeling really good about who I was as a man and as a football player and especially as a football player because it's such a big part of your life when you're that age. Yeah, always. But I came back and like, and I couldn't get my hip right the whole year and it wasn't getting right and none, no one paid any mind to me like except for you and that no one was helping me, no, none of the coaches, the trainers, I was an afterthought and like you, you did. I don't know if I've ever told you that. Like, how, I don't know if I've really ever had the opportunity. But, and you referred me to Kelly Starrett, and you gave me stretches, and then you pretty much ignited this passion I have in mobility and movement and strength conditioning. And, and I was able to fix my problem with what you gave me. Like that was life changing. And you supported me through the whole way, and you were on me every day in the weight room. And you encouraged me, and you yelled at me, and you told me to get my fucking ass going when I wasn't going. Like, like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just feel like I had to share that with you, like how big of an impact you had on me. And you you were like the reason, one of the key reasons why I was able to finish my college football career. Because I don't know if I could have been playing anymore, and I don't know if I could be squatting anymore. I don't know if I'd be competing the way I do in athletics anymore if it wasn't for where you had led me to. So I need to make sure you hear that. Um, I appreciate you saying that. I mean, you showed up every day for a reason, even though you couldn't do anything. So the passion was there. Yeah. But you didn't know what to do. Yeah. So it was tough. Yeah, it was tough. But you know, and like who you are as a man is what you can do for someone who can do nothing for you. So like, I'm not going to leave you. You're my brother, man. Right. So figure it out together. Right. We did. Yeah. Awesome. Absolutely. And that's like where you said like, you kind of felt like you're passed up by everybody else. Like, I don't think uh, there's a lot of coaches out there that like, I don't think yeah. they realize the impact that they have. On yeah. Some of their with athletes. one word, like, with one word, man, like 
you just right the mental strain you can have on some kid when they're hurting like they're down and like one of the best things i read is like an athlete like they look up to you as a coach like an athlete is always trying to please you for like they're always trying to please you they're really not doing anything so like if they're struggling like you got to figure out why they're struggling like they're not they're not doing something like greg when he was hurt he wasn't hurt and not doing your workout because he didn't want to do your workout and like everybody else saw greg is like he's hurt he's like that type of thing like he's he's in a corner he's by himself and you took the time and you're like yeah he's hurt there's a reason he's not able to do this like let's figure this out let's figure this problem out and like like you said it changed greg's life and like changed my life and that's one of the biggest things like with a lot of like athletes i think they kind of get like passed up a little bit like it, 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 it's it hurts me when i see it happen because i'm like that coach doesn't know that in, the impact they have in their life and we talked with coach herm yeah and like when we talked to coach herm last weekend i told him like the impact he on my head on my life and he's like Honestly, I don't even remember saying that to you. Like, he just texted me something, and it ignited me, and it kept me going. And he's like, I don't even remember saying that to you. But, like, that's one of the biggest things I've learned as a coach, he said, is that I don't I, – every single interaction I have with a person, it needs to be, like, right because it could change their life. They could be in such a crappy spot. They couldn't even be in showing it. But, like, when they come to you, when they, like, talk to you, when they interact with you, like, you've got to be there for them. And, like, that's one of your biggest things as a coach. I think we can also extrapolate this towards life. I mean, like, if you're – whatever you do, you, maybe you're not even an athlete. Like, you have to take you, – your, your words, every single word and action that you make, it, it – it matters, man. Like, it's either going to tilt the world a little bit closer to heaven or a little bit closer to hell. Every single decision you make and every single action you do. And I think that, I mean, I think that, that, that this is a great example of that. Every single action, every single comment you make, it, it really matters. Like, it really, really, really matters. And Absolutely. I mean, it ties all the way back into the first thing you started with the podcast was that quote. And before the quote, he goes, is the inches in life that mm-hmm. matter, you know. It could be an inch too short, you don't make it. An inch too wide, you don't make it. Like, mm-hmm. you need to be mm-hmm. there. You need to be in the moment. You need mm-hmm. to be, like, here. Like, mm-hmm. anxiety and depression exist, okay? Mm-hmm. If you're anxious, you're spending way too much time in the future worrying about it. If you're depressed, you're spending too much time in the past, mm-hmm. right? If you breathe and you put yourself in the moment, be more authentic. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, other people can benefit off of that energy because mm-hmm. that exists. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that's freaking awesome. That's freaking awesome. I love that. I know. I was gonna say, I have a a whole like list of quotes that I write, and I'm gonna have to re listen to this and write a bunch of the stuff you said because it's some good stuff. I I do the same. Um, all right, that's awesome. So now, transitioning back to you and your professional life right now, where, where, where are you at? What are you doing right now? I'm doing good things. I am. I'm teaching yoga. Um, you know, I think I'm a good yoga teacher. I like teaching yoga. Um, it's not only like a refuge to teach, but also to practice for me. So it's something I enjoy. Don't really consider it work. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm teaching at uh, Lifetime and New Hope and Core Power and Maple Grove, and I teach multiple formats, so that keeps me nice. Teach hot, mm-hmm. vinyasa, um, some sculpt, oh. and a. Uh, and I'm also a personal trainer at, at Lifetime New Hope as well, so. Sure. Um, so you do sculpt classes? Yeah. Those suck. I just do one a week. That's all, nice. all I can do. Yeah. It's a lot. It is a really hard. Steve and I had a free 
my roommate, Steve Harrell, and I had a free trial at Core Power for a week, and we went to one hot yoga, and it was brutal. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's an awakening. <laughs> yeah, especially because we play football. It's, it's five, six seconds on, 40 yeah. off. Yeah. And in there, it's just... It's just brutal. It's an hour straight of moving. I get a lot of that energy walking in, like, I got this, you know, like, let me wear my hat and, you know, put it in backwards and, like, just, yeah, I got this. And then, like, 30 minutes in, they're, like, they're, like, on their mat looking around, like, what did I get myself into? Like, <laughs> what? They're, like, what time is it? So they're, they're, like, watching the clock and they're, yeah. like, just miserable. Yes. Uh, which is, yeah, which is tough. Yeah. So with your time, you built a relationship when you were a coach at uh, St. Thomas with the individual athletes. How does that work at a place like Core Power? Do you still, like, how do, how do you work that in with building in the individual relationships when people are kind of, like, funneled in and out? And, like, how does that affect your coaching style? Um, well, I always try to teach to the beginner in the room. Okay. Like, so, like, and I know that. Like, I have multiple, I call them repeat, repeat offenders, but just students who come back, um, you know like weekly yeah like that I enjoy and they know like what to expect to come to my class it's never going to be the same but it's usually going to focus on some sort of hip opening Mm -hmm. um uh, and you know but so just and I've been teaching and gaining classes for you know almost a year now so it's you know it's it's becoming you know they know where I'm at and they keep coming so it's Mm -hmm. it's working out but I don't know, through this whole yoga thing, it's like, you know, the teachers and the people, they're just like, you know, it's more, we get to talk about like, you know, more than yoga. It's like, like the student, um, I have, she's like, Oh, what are you doing? How's your bus? You know, like, here's a road trip. You know, I would suggest she's like, what's your email? And like, I was expecting like, Oh, you know, go to South Dakota to Wyoming or whatever. But it was like, I tenorized down to like the exit I should take and where I should, I should, and where I should eat lunch, like on this picnic (laughs) table. And it just, like, blew my mind, the amount of, like, detail and, like, almost love that was dropped into this, you know? And Mm -hmm. it's, like, like, and I, like, you know, like, the clientele is usually women. So, like, Mm -hmm. if someone has a flat tire or, like, something and, you know, their battery doesn't start, they're coming back in, like, frantic. Like, my husband's at work, blah, blah, blah. I'm, like, this isn't a big deal. We can change a tire. Like, you know, and we change it and they're just, like grateful and then they yeah. now they're at every class because of like you know just like 15 minutes of help so yeah. it's just like you got to be willing just to like say yes even if it might be an inconvenience to you so so you mentioned uh the bus um when we were talking about setting this podcast up you mentioned we could go there too do you want to tell like, yeah. everybody what the bus is yeah, about talk about the bus um, it stems back to like a childhood dream. A friend of mine, his dad owned like this old bus and I was like, this is awesome. I want to own this. So, um, <laughs> like a, like a, just a, a it's school a, bus. Or? It's a 1962 Greyhound PD 4106. <laughs> so it's like basically the bus Rosa Parks was, you know, oh. like kind of not the same exact one, but that style of bus. Oh, so silver, it's silver, all chromed out. Got it. It's like a, yeah. 60s. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing and it was fully converted back in 86 so the conversion is older than i am so i bought it last two septembers ago and then i took off and went down to ardmore i blew my knee out in dallas right so i blew my knee out in dallas and i was like couldn't walk like it was over you know so like ambulance straight to the hospital make sure i didn't rupture any arteries and die and then back on a bus to wichita for eight hours off of like two vicodin 
miserable. You drove? I was on the team bus. Oh, the team bus waited at the hospital for oh. me to get on there. <laughs> it was miserable. And like throughout that whole journey, um, like just, where were we at? Oh, the bus. Um, that's why I went down to, that's where I went where I went. I went to Dallas to go do a yoga oh. class to get, to like walk out of Dallas on my own two feet physically. Mm. Cause last time I went out there, it was like kaplop. So like my first trip on the bus was like, I, uh, it's crazy. So I, I'm driving like, I'm, I'm like, I gotta get out of here. A big snowstorm coming. It was like before last January, January, January 11th. I'm a big number guy, January 11th. Like, <laughs> right. Um, crazy. Um, so I'm driving down just like, uh, let me hit warm, warm air, never hit warm air. I'm just dying. I can't turn my bus off because like I need my generator to start it back on because like the bus needs warm air and it's okay. like, it needs above 40 degrees to like start. Otherwise I got to like heat it up for an hour and a half, you know, to like start this bus. So I can't stop at a rest stop and like sleep because my generator is powered down because like I had a wire connect not working. So I'm like, all right, let me find like a. RV park, right? So like I open up this giant book and I'm like, let me find the closest RV park. It's Ardmore, Oklahoma. So I call <laughs> Hidden I call Hidden Lakes RV and I'm like, hey, here's my deal. I'm close. Like you got a spot. She's like, great. Sweetest lady. Her name is Cheryl. She she plugs me in concrete pad. I was like, got the hookup. So I pull in like an hour and a half later. I go to like plug in and like rest and I like might as well be in Europe because my plug-in was like not gonna fit. <laughs> and I'm like, at this point, I'm just like about to cry. So, and luckily, this place had an RV repair shop, and oh so like God. I take my cord in there, and I'm like looking around. I'm like, all right, I need this plug on the end of my cord, and I don't know what this is. And there's this guy standing around, and I'm like, you look like you know what's going on. Long story short, this guy's name is Steve. And he's from New Hope, Minnesota, and he runs the RV repair shop. No so, way. like, he hooks up my cord, fi oh, like, helps me man. fix my bus and my generator, end up working at this RV park for, like, three months, you know, and taking a few, like, trips to, like, Big Bend and Arkansas and, like, just, like, learning a lot about, like, RVs and repairs and, like, as much as I love fitness and you know, like mm -hmm. yoga and stuff. I think ultimately I'm going to start building tiny homes and like, Oh yeah. Doing, going that route. Tiny homes are so awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. But then, then like kind of having a, like a yoga side of it, like always have space oh. for yoga inside the tiny oh, home. Oh yeah. That sounds like a righteous so, like, time. That's kind of my niche. And like building is always the thing that I've come back to, whether it's been like Legos or like, you know, whatever needs to be built. I can like, mm -hmm. You know, I would never buy a desk. I would be like, we're just going to build a desk. Like, <laughs> yes. What does it need to be? Like, type person. So, uh -huh. um, that's so, so you just, so you went on this trip and you just stayed for three months longer than you what you originally thought, or did my, you know? Or? My plan was, I didn't have a plan. Okay. I just took off and I was like, oh. well, my plan was I need to go to Dallas and yep. do yoga. But like, I didn't know what was going to happen after that. I was like, maybe I'll go to Corpus Christi. Maybe I'll go down to the Gulf coast. Maybe I'll do this. But like meeting Steve and like building that connection with him because he was from Minnesota and all the things he knew and his wife, Cheryl, like it just felt like right time and right place. Like mm -hmm. this is where I'm supposed to be like living Absolutely. in the moment. Yeah. yeah. So like, I just didn't say, I just didn't deny those energies and like, I would have never, I would never be, I would never feel how capable I feel now of like, you know, 
you you overheat a bus in the middle of a mountain in the, <laughs> down in yeah. the bottom of Texas, yeah. like, yeah. and you get off the road and figure it out like yeah. within an hour, like you you'll feel like a man, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> yeah. like, and that's where I want to like. Yeah. They used to be over on the beaches of Germany, like fixing jeeps with right. like scotch tape and like yeah. you know a soldering iron, yeah, and now we now right we now. can't even like yeah. you know do anything or build anything without it. Like, so it's like, get back to that old grit that like, we're capable of like so many great things. Like whether it's like, I blew a tire coming home from Texas and it felt like I got clipped from the backside by like a missile or something. And I'm like skidding out, there's smoke billowing in and you know, and like if I didn't act now and call the tire place, the AAA, like all these places would have been stuck for like three days, but I was stuck for three hours. Like, so just that natural, like, got to get it done. You right. got to act now, mm-hmm. like, instead of like panicking. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's like, I'm, that's, those are all skills that I'm dying to develop in my, in my twenties here. Cause I don't have, you got to go, you got to, yeah. I mean, like, what's the, I mean, you can go and buy a bus for like, you know, if you negotiate it right, you can get a bus for like 12 or 15, you know, like hundred dollars. And just strip that thing out, put a couple bunks in it, doesn't need to be great, yeah, and, and right. go find it. You know, America has the most dedicated land and yeah. national parks ever. Right. I used to think I used to think I needed to go to Europe or somewhere crazy That's, to yeah. like to go see all these beautiful places. Yeah. It's like right here it's in here. America. It's in Canada. Right. Like you can get there right. by car. You can go to Peru yeah. by car. <laughs> like so why are you holding yourself back? Like yeah. you know, like and you have the time and like just yeah. go do it you know like yeah. all of this stuff will be here when you get back like all of these jobs all of these bills like it's all going to be here you know like long after the price is forgotten the memories are going to be there like it's going to be there it's going to be great like and you're going to feel more capable if you just like buy a bus with all of your money and go like People. people need more coach back here. Yeah, lives. dude, that's what I'm saying. I mean, just like we talked about this on the first podcast, second podcast, like everybody's just kind of like they're freaking out right, right now because their parents have like beat into their head. Them. They need that. They need that big safe job. And they need the money, and yeah. they just need to be stuck in this thing. And they, I mean, just like Greg and I, like we're talking to all these people, like and. But so when we uh, we oh, talked downstairs, we talked downstairs with Coach Becker, and he t- asked all of our stories, and what he asked every single one of us yes. is, "Are you happy?" Every single person, that's what he asked. Yep. And if you it just blew my mind because he's like, he heard, heard all this, but all that mattered was, are you happy? Are, are you doing what you want to do? Are you happy with your life? Are you fulfilled? And are you fulfilled? Yes. And like so many people just like are not, and are like not. they're successful. Like, like what you would consider successful in quotations of like having a nice job, getting out of college, but they're not happy. And like, that, that was so freaking when you came downstairs and you talked to it and you asked everybody that question, I was like, Oh, we, this is going to be good. This is going to be good upstairs. And like people need more coach back in their life. Like they need more of that. They need to make their own podcast. I don't know. You just got to get your message out, man. You got it. Well, I've been, I've been hiding for a really long time. Right. Like I've been so in the shell. So we should probably transition into that because we were going to try and talk about that. Um, yeah, like people need you. We needed you. Uh, the team needed you back in the day. Um, yeah, like what? So yeah, what so we're talking about the what we're bringing up here is Coach Becker kind of like went off the grid for a little bit. Um, right. He 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 left St. Thomas. Um, uh, yeah, but left St. Thomas for a little bit. Uh, and we talked about the the struggles you faced with your knee. Um, 
and just all the struggles that you faced in your life and it seemed kind of like they kind of piled and you released a you posted a social media thing talking about how sorry you were for going missing um for what four years three yeah and just you talked about how basically you were in darkness and like now you're climbing out you kind of see that light and that right. you're ready to like help people you're ready to apologize and you you so, one of the, the, the awesome things that you said in that post is like you know like you know this post isn't enough but you're going to find those people and you're going to reach them out and that's like one of the biggest things like we wanted to focus on in this podcast is the mindset of like facing that darkness yeah. facing those valleys and like what led you to those values the values those actions and then what's leading you out so 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 let's start with from the beginning so what led you to this this dark place that you're now currently getting out of what 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 was there like how did it if you're comfortable talking about it <clears throat> i mean i don't know i think we all kind of struggle a lot with whether it's you know mental illness or mm-hmm. you know um you know, I've been sad for a long time Mm. and, you know, I never thought my parents would split up at the age of, you know, I thought I got past the age where it was like, oh, my parents are split. So that was kind of earth shattering. That kind of like opened my eyes to new things. I mean, there's no, like, it's what's done is done. It's just really painful because it was, you know, like just basically the rug being pulled underneath you and I didn't know how to cope or react or deal with that so I like I mean you're a family we're your family right and you know I wasn't allowed to talk about it like while it was going on Mm -hmm. and then it was just got darker and darker into like my own personal life it bled and it just yeah I mean everything was like you know for a long time I was like the only thing that kept me alive was my two dogs like Tyson and Tuck. Tyson and Tuck. Like, if I didn't have my dogs, like, I probably would have committed suicide, like, years ago. Because it was, it was a really dark time. It was really, really hard. Thank God for your dogs. Like, you know, and I had people to, like, lean on, but... Yeah. Oh. Like, it was tough, man, because... Yeah. Like, all my brothers, all of it was gone. Like... My whole, my whole life. And it was like, yeah, I was like hurting and I was, I wasn't doing good things. Like I wasn't practicing what I was preaching. Like I was, you know, trying to validate myself through other shit when I had enough stuff in front of me. Like what I had was great, but I wanted more. And that was just wrong, you know, and you know, I paid for it. Mm -hmm. So... So that's what led you into the darkness. And I, and I was there for a long time. It was like, the longer you're there, the darker it gets. <sighs> yeah. And, you know, and the more comfortable you feel, you know, like, mm-hmm. till finally, like, it was like, I, I can't fucking do it anymore. Like, I can't do it anymore. You know, like, so I just closed a lot of doors. And like, I didn't have any questions or, or answer. I didn't have any answers to my questions. I was like, well, how am I going to pay for that? I was just like, I was like, fuck it, I'm just going to close these doors, like, and, like, since I've done that, a lot has opened up, like, I'm a big energy guy, I'm a big number guy, like, on my post, I posted, like, it's been four years and four days since I, like, have, like, you know, been on social media, Mm -hmm. blah, 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 well, Mm -hmm. like, this day, it's been four years and four days since my brother's passed away, like, that type of energy exists, you know, like, and you can't deny it, so, Mm -hmm. like, and, like, I've always wanted to do 
podcast. And when I saw like you on uh, the the back pocket the back podcast, pocket. I was like, well, that sounds great. Like I want to do that. And then the next, like within three hours, you sent me a message and was like, hey, Coach Becker, like, do you want to get on this? And I was like, and honestly. I've been terrified because I've been waiting to tell you guys like that, you know, like I've been waiting to like let you guys know the truth because I know you guys know like a whole, like you guys, there's probably multiple stories we of you guys. We have no idea. We have, we have been waiting. Yeah. Well, like when I saw, I saw like, who did I see? I saw Herbert and like mm-hmm. Jesse and some of those guys out at like, you know, Malone's one mm-hmm. time on the deck and they're like, what happened? I was like. And then whatever, you know, he, he turned to me and he's like, he let us down, man. He's like, you're the reason we didn't win a national championship. And like, ultimately, like, I know that, like, we were so close. It was a couple energy move pieces that we were away from, but like, we were so close. We had this, we had such a great And I, team. you know, and I like, I blame myself. Like I let like all you guys down, I feel like, like, yeah. Like, we had it done. And you like, had, I mean, you had us all, like, we were so bought into you, and you were so bought in. It was I mean, so special. Caruso had his hand heavy on top yeah. of me, you know, like. Yeah. So. This is a good head coach. Yeah, he was a great head coach. Yeah. But. So that's that's that that's the bottom of the valley. Everything is so, the struggles there. <sighs> that's like insane. Totally just everything. Like, I mean, your parents, your job, your brother. Us. Like, and your family. your family, like I mean, literally every single aspect oh of your God. life, it seems like it's attacked at one time. And like I, I, you talked about how you didn't know how to cope with it, but like I, I, I like relating this to people that don't have any of these struggles, um, because they, I don't think a lot of people have great perspective on what they do. So when they're at their job and they get yelled at by their boss, yeah. let's say that ruins their entire world. Mm-hmm. Um, how can you uh, just basically express them like? there's bigger shit in the world than what they're dealing with. And like, I, I, this is one of my biggest passions right now is like creating perspective for people and just realizing like what you guys are going through really is so small compared to what there is in life and what people are dealing with. And like there, there's light, like there's, there's energy there. There's a place to go there. And like, you just gotta be able to have that perspective and deal with it. You just gotta be more authentic. Like, one of the perspectives I saw is, like, just a mental mind shift. It's, like, all right, we have an ops manager at Lifetime, Goldie, who does great work, you know, and, like, he's, like, hey, what'd you walk by? Did you do inventory on the towels? And, like, and this kid was, like, shit. And he's, like, no. And Goldie's, like, stopped him. He's, like, no, 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 no. You don't think about it like that. You don't go, oh, shit. You go, oh, yeah. You, like, have this aha moment. So when your boss yells at you, it's, like, he may say it in a way that's, you know, not well with your love language or the way you like to receive things but like you can just twist it be like like oh yeah that would be better even you know maybe he is wrong but like Mm -hmm. you know you have to find a way to spin because you can't deal with the energy like what what energy is thrown at you but you can deal with how you handle it exactly dude i I love that the ownership and just like i think ownership the the ton of uh, so many people i think give up ownership in their life and they let other people run it and like they let like you said and that's they let other people energy run their life basically. And they don't, they don't ever 
bring that back. And I think that's when a lot of times they, they get that negative energy fed into them and then they're full of negative energy and they push that to other people. So like you said, you can just shift that mindset. You can be the one that brings that positive energy to people. And that's kind of like our goal of bringing people like you on is like trying to show people that that energy is there. That energy is within like every single one of you. It's just yeah. your choice and your mindset. And I, I get it's tough. Like I've been there before to where like it's dark and you want to like you, you have hate in your heart. You're, you're pushing that on the people, but you gotta, you just gotta make that switch and you gotta press that energy to other people. Yeah, but how you've been able to make the switch is just, I'm so thankful you have. And like, I, if you hadn't made that switch, the world would be worse off. It would be a way worse place. What, 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 what switched it for you then? What was our, what was our climb out of the valley like? What, how did that switch for you? What was our process well, there for the people that are listening that, they're going through dark things like this. What was your process mm-hmm. to be able to go from the deep, dark spot to the spot you are now or the con- continued process continue of that? Just continue to grow. You know, I was doing a lot of things I thought like, like I needed to do to like hold on to things that I thought I wanted and like, but were so like unattainable basically with like what I was doing. It doesn't make much sense, but it's like, you know, like whether it would be a relationship or like, you know, since, you know, my, you know, darkness from St. Thomas, I was like working overnights at a gas station. Cause like, I just didn't want to see people yeah. or like be dealt with people or like, you know, it was like, I took off on a bus. I came back, I worked overnights at a gas station and like taught yoga sparingly because, you know, yoga was like, just kind of like a sensitive subject and whatnot. So, you know, I, then I just, you know, I tried to close some of these doors softly, but like, you can't do that. Like, there's so much strength and negativity behind these doors that like they say negative thoughts are five times more powerful than positive thoughts. So like you gotta, you gotta build up some courage and some strength. And basically what I did was say, well, fuck you. And I took the door and I slammed the son of a bitch, you know, like I opened up the fridge and I ate all the fucking food. Like that's what I did. And you know, like I said, like enough of it, like I can't do it anymore. Like I'm going to start like fighting through the discomfort. I'm going to start like, being in you know uncomfortable situations i'm gonna start like telling my story i'm gonna start helping people i'm gonna start like doing i'm gonna start practicing what i preach like get out there and do it like i got plans to go to costa rica in like a month you know i got like you know i'm going up to in march i'm going up renting a cabin up in lake emily it's gonna be great like i'm just getting out there like how can you like in the long time i just kind of flowed by the punches but now like you got a plan, dude. You got to have something to kind of look forward to, even though like, you know, like we planned this podcast. It wouldn't have just happened if we were like, Hey, let's get together, you know, let's do this and that. It's like, no, it was like almost kind of formal, you know? Oh yeah. And you know, yeah, it took, like, him, it took him serious effort. I mean, we were, we always, we, we meet for like two hours and plan this, which yeah. is surprise, but it, you're right. Serious. Yeah. And taking that, taking that action it. step. Yeah. Ted taking you just, I love how you just said, fuck it. And you just stopped the everything out. And that's where like a lot of people I think they, they, they can think about it. Like they think about changing their life. They talk about it, but like you, you eventually, 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 eventually it comes to it. You got to do it. Like you, you got to take that action step. You got to close that door. It's gotta come to a head. You got to climb that mountain. You got to take that step forward. Otherwise like thinking about it, listening to it, like having somebody else tell you this, like it doesn't do anything until you actually take that step right it was you know like imagine yourself in like a room a dark room with a thousand candles like i would snuff every one but one you know like i would leave that one 
you know, alone because it was comfortable mm-hmm. and powerful. Like that one can still ignite the rest, the other 999. Right. Like what I finally did was I snuffed all the candles and I like stood in darkness and I said, all right, now I'm here. How can I find light again without comfort? You know? And, you, so, and you're finding light again. Yeah, I mean, like, my life has been brighter than it's ever been. Like, I've met more people. I've, like, reconnected with more family members. It's like, I'm ready to, like, you know. You know, we don't know how much time we're going to have. Like, my brother dying, like, at 39. Like, he should be, what, 44 today, you know, like, or in a month. Like, it's crazy. He should, you know, but he's not. And that's, you know, I used to be sad about it, but now, like, I'm, like, going to celebrate it, you know. Like, we got to, like, take advantage, you know, take yeah. care of yourself. Yeah, what would your brother want you to do? Yeah. So, and he was, he was always my biggest fan. He was always, you know, what do you need? What do you, you know, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. So. Oh, that's fantastic. That's so good. Oh, that's... my gosh. Burn, I thought. Um, wow. Um, <laughs> okay. So that's, that's, just, that's just so many, like, just lessons about, like, how finite time is. Like, just putting your energy out to help other people. Like, and that's, like, that was one of the big struggles for me is, like, when I was at St. Thomas, I wanted, like, I, I put out that negative energy because I wanted that negative energy into me because I felt like that fueled me and, like, that got me going. That woke me up every day. Um, because I still think it's energy. It still gets you going. But like talking about that switch for you about how that negative energy to that positive energy, that darkness to that light, like how much better that is and like how much you're still able to accomplish and how much feel that is. That's so good. I got some questions about, this is not on the script at all, but so you said you've gotten into like building things lately and with your hands and, and machines and how did you like, did you, have you always had practice with that, or is that something that you... My dad grew, grew up on a farm. Okay. And a, uh, in Iowa, so, like, going to the farm, there was always, like, multiple sheds with, like, every tool and tractor and, like... Because, you know, it was always about having the right tool for the right job. Let's not mess around. Let's make sure we're doing it right. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and growing up, my dad would always get, like, a tool for, like, Father's Day or Christmas, like, a big new tool until, like, you know, he had you know, this fantastical workshop that he never used, you know, like he was working full time, yeah. you know? So like when he wasn't home, I was at home building like boxes or like subwoofer crates or like whatever it was, like with the scrap wood and the tools and all the screws and whatnot. Cause mm-hmm. like we had just a plethora of tools. So like yeah. I just taught myself and he would always help me, you know, cut with saws or whatever. He was good about it. And, you know, like I would always build Legos with my brother since I was like, you know, young like doing the you know it was always cool like i'm five let's do the 12 year old like sets you know like <laughs> yeah. thinking i'm like super advanced you know like so like it just like was exciting and now like i own i own the bus and i own another rv that i'm like fixing up right now and like gutting and re- renovating and whatnot so it's just like and i just that's where i find my most flow is like where i'm like let me start working on this and i'm like it's two o'clock and all the shit i'm like shit it's seven o'clock like <laughs> better eat I better call somebody like you know like I better walk the dogs like I better do all of these things I got to like you know where I'm like and that's where I want to be is like in yeah. flow that's where everyone wants to be is like where do you spend the most time unknowingly and you're like holy like I better go like I got kids or something you know it's like so like yeah. just having that like type of energy 
So that's what that is. Okay. So awesome. That's awesome. So even if it looks like a hobby or whatever, like that's like kind of how I want to transition some of my, my life and my time. It's just like, makes me happy, you know, like and turn that hobby into your, basically your, what you're like, what you do in life is through that hobby through that. Right. I mean, as long as it makes you happy, like who cares? Like that, that's like, should be people's goals in life. Like it doesn't matter if it's, not making a ton of money right now. Like if you're so passionate about it, like eventually that's going to lead to success because you're so passionate about it. You're going to be so much better at that than something you're not passionate about. Something Something you're just dragging your life through. And like, like you said, you're able to go like 2 a.m. or 2 p.m. to 7 p.m. without even realizing like the blink of an eye because you're so passionate about that. Like you got to find something that lights you up like that. And that's why I like coaching and like programming does the same thing for me. I'm like, you write something down, you just start typing, you start Googling this stuff and you start going into it and you're like, shit, like the rest of your day is gone. And like, that's what you focus on. And like, mm-hmm. I think people need to find something in their life that, like you said, allows them that flow, allows them that energy, gives them a relief from the darkness that they're feeling. Yeah. Um, yeah. How, how would you, would you consider that, like, what is your ultimate like purpose, your why? Like, what is your end goal in life to your self fulfilling prophecy basically of your why your overall goal i think that's been ever developing for like years Mm -hmm. i think it will always be developing but for sure i think just i think it and i've like thought about it ever since coach caruso like called people out and made them like like shit what if he calls me (laughs) like i better be ready you know like yeah you were ready for the other time he called you out though oh yeah on the, the towelful Oh yeah, that got always, me always ready for the towel fall. Oh, yeah. um, Sorry, that was off topic. <laughs> I still crave towel falls, to be honest. <laughs> um, but it was just you know like what were we talking about? Why? Why? The why? Yes. Yeah, the why. It's so hard for me to answer. Maybe that's why I stalled. I don't know, like, helping other people find their why, I think, is, mm-hmm. like, part of my, like... Mm-hmm. Have you guys ever read The Alchemist? No. no I've, I've you need to stop that. what you're doing, like, after this and go and buy The Alchemist. It's, like, the most important book I've ever read. Like, anyone listening to this, please go read The Alchemist and then give it to someone else to read. Um, whether it touches you or not, you'd be better for it. But, like, you know, we're, we're in stages of the life where, like, we've gone through, like, all these traumas and we need to search for things. But, like, ultimately what we need is, like, in front of us. Like, we already have it, you know? Like, yeah. You, you, you already own it. And, like, I think letting people know that and just kind of, like, saying, like, hey, I acknowledge your struggle and I'm sure it's tough, but, like, I got your back. Like, what you need is, like, here for you. You know, you don't have to, like, go on validate yourself through like other things or other people or like you're good enough like that's one of the things yoga will teach you is like we do like all these incredible things with your body that you think you can't do or like maybe you thought you couldn't do but like you still do them like whether it's like what you want it to look like or not you're still doing it in your version so like that you're good enough like it's never going to be the same Mm -hmm. so it's always like better or worse and that's kind of like you know, bad hair day, your hair, it's like, it's just like, how are you going to perceive it? It's going to be like, mm-hmm. you got to take it in stride, like right. in and out. Mm-hmm. But like letting people know, like, you know, helping other people find their why. Being their light bringer. Yeah. yeah, I'm not entirely sure how to answer that that's one because great, it's been like, 
evading me for a while. Yep. Like, to define that as kind of scary because... Oh, yeah. You know... And that, you know, it's like in a world that's like everyone wants to be good at everything. It's like, well, why not hone yourself down and be like the absolute best, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Love yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, I love that too. I think you do a great job of that. I bet everyone who's listening will agree. Um, at helping other people find their why. Being a light bringer. Yeah, being a light bringer. That's what I... Coach Herm mentioned that last week. It's kind of a little bit of his why as well. It's just like bringing that light to people and like seeing things in them that they don't see in themselves basically at that moment. Um, I think like kind of, I think, I don't know. I think as coaches, it makes sense for us. Absolutely. Um, it's but I think sense. I think a lot of people, like a lot of people need that in their life. They need somebody to bring them that light. But I think a lot of people need to like also start to realize that they can help other people find their light too. And I like... It makes sense to us as coaches because that's our role. That's uh, I think that's one of the most important. Like everybody, like as a coach, they talk about how fast they got their athletes, like how big they got their athletes, that type of thing. It's like, did you help that athlete discover who they are? Become a better man. Become a better human. Become a better person because that's what's going to matter. Like the four years that they ran really fast because you made them run fast. If you didn't help them like discover who they are, become a better man, like none of that matters. You know, like. I don't know. That's this one thing I'm super passionate about. And like, that's kind of my why as well is like trying to find people's light because I know how important it is. Like my, all any athletic success I've had is because somebody helped me do that. It's not because somebody helped me get stronger, faster, bigger. It's because they helped me discover who I was as a man. Mm -hmm. And then I was able to figure out the rest of that by myself. Like you got to start with the pyramid of you're a human first, then you're all these other things for like, you know, like you start at the base of the pyramid and then you build up. You can't just start like if you base everything off athletics, as soon as athletics are taken away and you have to drop back down to being a human and you never built that human foundation of you value yourself as a person, not as an athlete, not as a student, not as somebody with this good job. Like that's when your world starts to fall apart. And like you feel that a little bit when the sport's taken away from you, like when football is taken away and I, I was like, like we, our season ended and I was like, my foundation as a human wasn't built up enough. And I realized that. Like, I was like, shit, now I'm not a football player. Who am I? And, like, you just, I spent trying to spend the last year just really focusing on honing that in. And that's why, like, one of my passions with all my athletes is hopefully to help them develop that human aspect first. Because I think it's so much easier to develop that athletic aspect right after that, as long as you develop the first part <clears> first. I think you did a great job of that with us when you had us. I don't know whether you knew it or not, but... Well, it's one of the things I struggled with. It was like, I was going pro. It's like, you weren't telling me anything else. Yeah. Like, I was doing it. Yeah. And then I blew my knee out, and I was like, I'm not doing it. Like, I'm, <laughs> this is over, you know? Yeah. And it was like, now what? Mm-hmm. I was like, I didn't have that foundation. Like you said, I was like, I was supposed to go and make, like, millions of dollars and be able to, like, you know, go be on TV and talk on Sports Center and, like, this is going to be great. Like, got this figured out. You telling me shit, like, you know, and then that all got crumbled, like, and I had no solid foundation to like stand on or to lay on, and I mean, and like people that aren't in athletics, like, I, I think it's really hard for them to understand yeah. how much that is your life, oh, yeah. and that's why it's so hard for athletes to take to build their human foundation because every single part of their life, everybody is put into them to build their athletic part. Their coaches are making them better football players. Like, that's all their focus. They train them to be football players. They train them to be warriors. 
And when that part's taken away and nobody's taken the time to really figure them out as humans, like that's why it's so hard for athletes. Like people don't realize like when you do sports like that, for a lot of people, like that's in their mind, it's a total just identity of who they are. They're a warrior. On Saturdays, they go out and they're gladiators and like that's who they are. And if nobody tells them any differently and like as a coach, like it's tough, like that's, so I don't have a passion really of being a football coach. I have a passion of being a human coach, being a performance coach because a football coach, they want to train that athlete. They want to train the person to be a warrior for them on Saturday. And that's their focus. Like that's not my focus because I know how, how big of a struggle and how, how much stress that puts on the person when that is taken away from them. And like I, I in my own head, I can't, it messes with me when I see an athlete have that taken away from them. And as a coach, like just realizing like you never built up that other part of them and you know they're going to struggle. And that's why I don't love being a football coach. Um, and I switched over to just being strength conditioning and human performance. Yeah, I mean, that's a powerful role. I mean, football coaches is very narrow-minded. Like, we got to win football games. Yeah, and, and it's their job. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's the tough like, part, yeah. If we don't win games, like, I'm not going to be able to feed my kids and pay my rent and, like... So ultimately, it's like, you know, what can you do for me this week? And if you're hurt, well, like, just kind of step aside and, like, let me know when you're healthy again. Whereas, like, if you're on your side where you want to be, it's like, well, everybody has a, a role. Yeah, Everyone yeah. has, you know, like, some sort of purpose here. Exactly, 100%. And that's like, when I talk to everybody, like, they ask why I don't want to be a football coach, and that's why. Like, the way, like you said, when that when I see an athlete's hurt, and, like, I felt in myself, like, when I was hurt, and, like, you go from being a person, somebody that's valued, to when you're hurt, you're not valued anymore. Oh, and, like, it, I mean, it, it hurts thing, it hurts so bad. And, like, I don't know, I think a lot of football coaches, and it's tough. And, like, I, you can't put it on a football coach, because no. as a football coach, yeah. they, they have to value winning. Right. It's what their job is based off of. But right. the transition to focus on that athlete as a person first right. is... Big. And I think, I mean, you saying that, I think just connected dots in my head, I think made me realize why I was just so miserable, like my sophomore year, because I had, my identity was football and I had that no more, you know, that was, and the, the underlying foundation wasn't solid enough. Um, wow. Yeah. That's, that's really great. Um, that's so usually we end these uh, type of podcasts, we, we start off with the mental side and there's just like everything we've been tying together is like, we start off with the mental side, we start off with the human side because that's what matters the most. That's the foundation. That's why we want to hear these stories and try and get the athletes to grow in that aspect. But then we tie it in with the strength conditioning part, the, your philosophies on training. So what, what are your philosophies on training when you trained at ETS, when you coached, um, when you trained us, like what, what were your training thought processes um how did you train us what were your systems what were your goals make us a better athlete how'd you do that first when I first got there it was like let's just try to learn how to squat (laughs) I'm in the same boat right now like move mechanically properly where it's like I can't I feel like I can't do anything unless we're like foundationally strong you know like Cause there's like, it's just a lot of like connecting mind and body. And the quickest way to do that for me was like jump roping. That's why like I had you guys jump roping so quickly. (laughs) It's like, it's like, all right, well let's, you know, this is going to frustrate a lot of you, but the quickest way to move your feet, (laughs) use non-impact and like get a lot of, you know, reps in would be 
and that was going to build shoulder and neck strength. So we're going to cut down on like shoulder injuries and concussions and, mm-hmm. you know, we're just wiring more neurons so we can fire better, like at proper times. Yeah. And I mean, that was my jump rope philosophy and it always will be like, it's just, God, it's that, a jump rope and it's tough. That was Greg brutal. and I, Greg and I <laughs> talked to one of the, we were talking about philosophies and we're like, we got to put down the oh, jump ropes because God. I got there and literally it was probably my first time touching a jump rope since I was five years old <laughs> and on the board it was written like 200 double unders and I'm like, oh boy, I'm going to be here a long time. And the thought process, the thing, like we weren't allowed to leave basically until right, we got dude. this number done. That like, was what was And it was brutal. just such, um, I mean, it was like you said, connecting that mind and body of like mentally like you've got to get yeah. this done no matter how struggling like you're not allowed i mean technically right. you, technically yeah, you could you could have left whenever you want but like right. mentally you need that victory yeah. like you're gonna get that victory you're gonna get it done well and i remember too like it started off as it was like a hundred singles and then we made it through like two weeks program then it would go up to like 500 singles or 20 doubles. Yeah, 20 doubles. Yeah. So you're like, oh, wow. I'm incentivizing the doubles. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah. And, and I remember I was, we jumped up a lot in high school, and I was like, this guy's <laughs> a joke. But then you kicked, like, months go by, and then you kick it up to, like, a thousand doubles or 20, like, double under crosses. Cross outs, yeah. And I couldn't do the cross outs for my life. And I remember, like, I probably still have scars I, from the jump rope just oh, smacking me in the back. Yeah, and I, but I remember I sat there for like an hour <laughs> getting my double crossers in because I was not, a, and I think that, that's, that, there was such a part of the mental, I'm going to do this, aside from all the physical training that was good about it. Like there was such a mental piece of that that was, that was huge, I think, for our team. I, I love that. Um, no, I'm not a programmer though, so I, so what was your, um, what's your, like, when you have an athlete, uh, when you had us, what was your overall arching goal to make us move better? Like, how, how did you go about that? Injury prevention, just Injury body prevention. awareness. Yep. You know, like, let's figure out where our body's in space. Let's strengthen the core. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I said, the core is, like, from the bottom of your pecs to the, you know, top or bottom of your knees. Mm-hmm. So just kind of the things that involve... <sighs> You know, strengthening that and being able just to to move it properly. There's a lot of tightness in like the thoracic spine, so we gotta like be able to be dynamic but strong. Now that you mentioned core, we can definitely talk about planks. (laughs) Yeah, you gotta be able to hold your own body weight. Oh my god! Do you remember what we would do planks for like ten minutes? Yeah, it was never ten minutes. Five. No. Yes, it was maybe, five. Maybe two minute planks. L- no, no, no. It was definitely five to six I minute planks. Remember it. I remember. It and then you well. ended. So you ended every session, or a, a lot of sessions with uh, the yoga, and we kind of talked about that. But what was your reasoning for bringing that to like our football team, um, strength conditioning wise, like mentally wise in that realm? What was your thought process there? I'm trying to connect breath and movement I think was important and just again overall stability and mm-hmm. like you know the more movements we can do the more neurons we're going to create and the safer we can move throughout difficult situations mm-hmm. and you know like a lot of those guys aren't holding postures or stretching at all so it was like one way for me to like trick you guys into doing both Yep. like and you know so it's you know, you get a couple guys doing it, it's kind of dumb, but you get, you know, like, 
hundred guys doing it, then it's powerful. And letting you guys, you know, feel the breath, start slow, build up. And at the end, it's like kerplot. And that's what it's done. It's like yoga is a movement of energy. So it's like, let's try to exhaust you and then lay you down and feel restful. Mm-hmm. But it's, in my mind, it's the perfect combo. Like now I'm lifting and doing yoga and it's like, I couldn't feel better about how I felt in years. Mm-hmm. Like, like you mentioned, like you knew a bunch of people weren't doing the mobility side of it, that type of thing, uh, the movement side of it outside. So you made them do it. That's one of the biggest things like I do, I do in my program is like, if you don't put that mobility session in, if you don't put the stuff that it maybe isn't as sexy <clears throat> into your program, it's not going to get done. So like you got to prioritize spending, sacrificing some of the traditional weightlifting time to adding in other elements of your strength conditioning program because if you're so one-sided into that strength conditioning aspect, you're going to miss out on all the other benefits, all the other things that you have at your dispensal. Like it's, it's like a, you have a toolbox and you only use the hammer the ins- like entire time. You're just banging against this wall when maybe like if you use a saw, you could mm-hmm. cut open a hole in this wall and you would have the perfect thing. And like mm-hmm. just using all these tools, like, and I think you did a phenomenal job of using your whole toolbox instead of just like a lot of traditional guys just sitting there with that hammer banging for 10 hours against this wall. And yes, eventually maybe you'll poke a hole in this wall, but how much damage did you do during that time? How much time did you waste? Um, it just, like, I feel like you did a really nice job of that, tying that all in. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, we're all, we've been sitting here the whole time throughout the course of this podcast doing the 90-90s, too, that we did while we were working out. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, a, it's something that got ingrained into us, too, while you were there. So how have your uh, philosophies changed, um, strength conditioning-wise? What uh, Have you had any big, like, breakthroughs, any big changes in your programming from when you were at St. Thomas to now? I think I'm just smarter. I've like backed off a lot more and like done a lot more prep work, whether it's like just core abduction work and Mm -hmm. like trying to attack more of my weaknesses rather than blind them. Yeah. And like, also I think it's been practicing what I preach. I've had all this knowledge built up, but I haven't really been like Mm -hmm. doing it myself, you know? So that's been like, hasn't been aligning perfectly. So there's been kind of like, you know, it's been rocky for a little bit, but now that I'm, back into it you know like more contrast movements i've involved in my yep. my uh my own personal training and do you want to explain so, to um the guests what that contrast is taking a slow movement and then you know like a bench press you're going down eccentrically you know for three seconds and coming up and doing like you know your set and then Immediately after that, popping on the floor and saying clapping push-ups or like popping push-ups, or you can even do it off a wall or a bench depending on your strength. But mm-hmm. like combining, you know, you want a basic about it, slow twitch and fast twitch, and just kind of like pairing those two together. Yep. Like, and then resting. So um, that just personally, because now I'm getting back into like my strength phase, and a uh, so yeah, just getting back into it really. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, 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 that aligns really well. The resting part, um, I think that's one thing you did a really nice job with us too, is like, mm-hmm. with, like, we're only with, and this is what I try to preach to a lot of my athletes and clients, is like you're with your coaches for two hours. You have 22 hours of your day by yourself. And like the two hours is so little compared to those other 22 hours if you don't take care of yourself in those other 22 hours. And like what you preach to us is like the jug life, like drinking water, oh, yeah. uh, eating real food, um, that type of thing. Just a total mindset switch of like, 
the two hours you do with the coach means nothing if you're wasting it with the other 22 hours. Like it's such a little part of your day that if you're not taking care of yourself in those other 22, it's going to be pissed down the drain. At two hours is 8% of your day. Yeah. That's all it is, is like 8%, you know. And just some one thing is that it aligns perfectly. A lot of th- times I say this in class, it's like, well, okay, the work you do like in the weight room or on the yoga mat or like, you know, lifting or whatever it may be, Pilates, that's going to like help you grow. And those are the things that are going to like help your muscles grow and develop. But like the food you eat or, you know, the stuff you put in your body or the mind, the things you watch, that's how you grow. Mm-hmm. Right. But like when you rest and when you sleep, that's when you grow. You know, there's a reason babies and puppies sleep so much. They're growing, they're developing. So if you're not giving yourself this time to like rest, like how are you changing, whether it's like mentally or physically, like if you're going to the gym and then burning yourself out of work and then coming home and not eating and resting, like you're going downhill. It's like counterintuitive to what you're trying to do. Like rest is the most important part. And a lot of people are afraid of it because they feel like they're lazy or doing nothing. But there's a reason like rest is a part of programming mm-hmm. whether it's life or you know weight training yeah it's one of like it's just one of the like more crazy parts like you said like the the person if they're if they're ready to go like it's a hard part for them because they start to think they're lazy but, like you got to preach to them like that rest is work in itself like they're still working when they're resting because it's growing their body and you just got to find a way to communicate with that athlete um and that's how i per- kind of helped paired it with you guys it was like all right well i have like you know, you guys standing around, it's like, all right, we'll go, go do 90-90 then, go yep. do something, like, yep. where it's still rest, but it's not, like, you know, mm-hmm. hurting what we're doing. Yeah. So, like, it, trying to find those, and you know how it goes, trying to find those little pockets of, like, all right, how do we keep them busy without, like, digressing from where we're going? Yeah, for sure. And that's, like, it's not trying, like you said, like finding something that can help them in that active recovery time, um, just not wasting time in that weight room. But like, I think a lot of coaches, like when they think about not wasting time, that means like short rest time and they're going to go have them do something that is counterintuitive to what you're trying to do. So like how my program's set up, usually I have groups of three, let's say we'll have one person lifting, um, one person spotting, and then the last person has an active recovery thing. So a 90-90, a banded hip flexor stretch, a lot of Kelly Strad stuff, just so it's always like a constant cycle of them doing something, them being mentally engaged, them having a different role. And like talking about the spotting thing, like that person's life is in your hands, so you've got to be mentally engaged when you're spotting. When you're lifting, you're obviously physically and mentally engaged. And then when you're working on that mobility aspect, like you're always doing something in the weight room. We're never just sitting there. Um, and that's one of the biggest things like has been a switch for them because usually, uh, when you watch them lift before they were lifting and then they would just sit and they like, Talk. I mean, it, it gets them out of the zone. They get some out of that flow state. And like, I feel like I'm one of the biggest things like, yes, it helps with the mobility, but I also love like the mental attention. It makes them like, they have to stay focused cause they're always doing something. Right. And that's like, right back to football it's like you gotta stay focused within that moment yeah like there are pockets of where it's like all right laps but then it's like boom let's come back and focus so it's like what you're doing is perfectly going to translate back to the field and that's going to be like seen and you got yeah and like you said like you have to train that like if you've never trained to bring yourself back into that moment if you've never trained to mentally like attack and like you've never trained to compete you've never trained to win you're never going to progress to do that on Saturdays, you know, like you got it, you got it. Whatever you train to do is going to be all, all Saturday does is show what you've been doing. I mean, it's just all a showcase. You got to 
got to train yourself to be a winner. You got to train yourself to be mentally focused. You got to train yourself to be in the moment. And then on Saturday, you show people how you trained. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well said. That was freaking awesome, Coach. I was nice to have you in. Um, Do you want to tell people? Well, first of all, is there any big message that you want everybody that's listening to this to take away? Yeah. Um,. I mean, don't be afraid to take a change, you know, or make a big drastic shift. You know, like if you're in an unhealthy or if you're in a relationship that isn't fulfilling, like you're lying next to someone that doesn't make you happy, that's not fair to that person. It's not fair to yourself. It's not fair to the world. Like there's someone out there that needs you. Um, like if you're unhappy at your job, quit it it's gonna figure itself out you're gonna like you're gonna figure it out like like I'm a firm believer like this world will always give you what you ask for and what you need like how does the homeless crack addict always have crack every day like there's a reason like he gets it but like that energy on this lowest level can be translated into like the highest energy like you can have whatever you want as long as you're like asking for it in detail and visualizing it like everything's created first first yeah. in your head then in physical absolutely reality, like you can, you can do this but like it's these hooks that are holding us down like i need i need to pay rent like i need this job to pay rent to pay my cell phone to do all these things like i need i need this so like well like you know we have this house together we have the dog together we like all these things it's like well like put yourself first because how are other people going to drink out of your cup if you're not filling your cup up first it's like you're just draining and you're draining to be around and you know it. everyone else knows it. So it's like, don't be afraid to make a change. And like, if you're telling other people to be happy or have a good day, well then you're fucking lying if you're not out there doing the same thing. So like practice what you preach and like get out there and just make a change. Like it's going to be okay. Yes. Oh, that's freaking gold. So good. So many. I mean, you might just put that on replay for the whole hour. Throw that on the. We get to that on your Instagram too. We just we'll just have that. That'll be the whole podcast. My ringtone. (laughs) Freaking awesome. Do you want to tell people how how they can reach you? How they can contact you? Hear more about your story. Yeah. Um. Tommy underscore wisdom on Instagram is a good way to get a hold of me. Um. You know, my schedule will be posted on Instagram here shortly. If you want to come take a class. Other than that, um, I'm out here, you know, willing to meet, willing to hang out, miss all of you, and, yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It's awesome having you, Coach. Thank you. Thank you for coming on, Coach Becker. Um, we have to close. Oh, fuck, we don't have to close. We can just end it. We close. Keep it. You want to close? Yes. I'll edit that part out. Don't worry. Okay. And you can support Yoakum Strength um, through following on Instagram. Um, you can contact Austin on Instagram and buy a program. You can also subscribe on iTunes. Uh, you can go to ghostfit.com for all your clothing and apparel needs. Austin's got a couple different types of clothing <clears throat> on there that you can buy. Um, Austin is also a, an ambassador for resistance band training and you go to resistance band training you can find all the bands you need there for any training that you are doing with bands and please make sure to follow the podcast on on apple Podcasts and on spotify and shoot tommy becker a follow at tommy wisdom on instagram 
Thank you for listening. Keep chopping wood. Sweet. Can we just...